All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm glad that you are joining us today as we wrap up a series we've been in for four weeks now called Let It Go, Let It Go. And really what we've said is that each and every one of us uh, really do have some things in our life that we need to let go of. From time to time, we pick up stuff that God had no intention of you and I ever carrying. From time to time, we grab a hold of stuff that really keeps us from being who God wants us to be. From time to time, we really carry things that really keep us from living the life that God wants us to live. And so what we've said in this series is that we need to let them Go So far we said, hey, all of us got some stuff in our life that we need to let go of. Some of us said, hey, we got some distractions we need to let go of. Last week we talked about bitterness, how some of us need to let go of some bitterness. And today what I want to talk to you about is letting go of your past, letting go of your uh, past. Now maybe you're here and man, life has been great. Maybe you're here and life has been good. Maybe your life has been perfect. You've never done uh, anything wrong. Man, if that's you, we're glad you're here, Jesus. Uh, but there are some of the people in this room uh, who really do have some things in their past that they're not especially proud of. There are some things in their past that they really do have a problem letting go of. See, I remember when I was in first grade, and you know how uh, when, you know how five and six-year-olds, little kids, you know how a lot of little kids don't have a lot of manners. How many of y'all uh, know that? Some of y'all are like, little kids, man, my teenagers ain't got manners. My spouse ain't got manners. Uh, but I mean, you know, again, uh, I, I remember when I was in first grade, I was in uh, a lady's name, Miss Curley's class. That was my first grade teacher. And I sat on the right side of the room in the very last chair at the back uh, of uh, the class. And so I remember one day I was having some, some breathing uh, issues, and uh, and one of the reasons I was having some breathing issues is because I had I had some uh, boogies uh, stopping up my nose. Y'all know what I mean? Can I just be vulnerable with y'all today? Can I just be vulnerable? Is that all right? So yeah, Pastor, do it. Okay, so y'all gave me permission. So I remember I was having some uh, some some <laughs> some breathing issues. I I really was, and I know you're supposed to blow your nose, okay? But when you're five or six, you tend to explore other options. Uh, when it comes to that. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe you got a five or six-year-old. Some of you are like, I did it yesterday. Anyway, uh, but again, I'm in Miss Curley's class, and I, I know you're not supposed to pick your nose. My mom's always told me when I was a kid, man, get your finger out of your nose. If you're a parent, you probably said that uh, to your kid. Uh, and so I'm in class. I'm having some breathing issues, and I'm thinking, man, I'm on the back row. I'm on the, I'm on the very back of the class. Who's going to see this? You know what I mean? And so, so I think, you know what, I'm just going to take care of it real quick, man. I'm just going to take care of it real quick. Uh, the problem was it ended up not being a quick pick. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, so I was taking care of things, uh, trying to remove that blockage. I was doing some work, and all of a sudden, you know, I looked to my left, and on the far left side of the class was the prettiest girl in first grade. The girl that I had a crush on, you know what I mean? 
And uh, she's looking at me while I'm taking care of business, and she's looking at me in shock. You know what I'm saying? And uh, again, uh, this is the girl I had a crush on. And I know some people say, man, in first grade, you can't really love anybody. anybody. Maybe so. Uh, all I know is I got to sit by her in lunch, and she never ate her roll, okay? And I always got to eat her roll. And so I'm, 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 eat, I'm, take, I'm not eating. I'm taking care of this thing right here. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I look over, and I just see this face of disgust. I see this face of shock, and I know right then and there that my, my first grade crush is over. No more roles uh, for me. Uh, and so not only do I see her making that face of shock, but then I see her lean forward and tap the girl that's sitting in front of her on her shoulder. And that was the second best looking girl uh, in our class. And so I see her whisper in her ear, and then I see them both look at me in shock. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're both they're both disgusted, and, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm horrified at this particular moment in my life. I'm embarrassed. Uh, man, I, I really am uh, mortified. And so I, I just, I mean, I just needed to be able to breathe. You know, I was having a medical emergency, and uh, so I was trying to take care of it. I wasn't eating it. I was just trying to get it out of there. And so I really thought she was going to forget about it. I thought they would both kind of forget about it. Uh, but then we went on the playground uh, to play, and we were playing Red Rover, Red Rover. Anybody remember Red Rover, Red Rover? Red Rover, Red Rover, send whoever running over. And so I remember we were playing Red Rover, Red Rover, and it was her time. It was, a, it was my first rate crush. It was her time uh, to say Red Rover. And so she says, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Gold Digger right over. And, and nobody moved. Everybody's like, who in the world is Gold Digger? You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking kind of confused. And she says, it's you, Robert. You were just digging for gold. And then her and her buddy, they start laughing at me. Robert, what'd you do? I ran over there and clotheslined that girl. You know what I'm saying? Pick on me again. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I probably thought about it, though. But again, I was so embarrassed. I really was. I was embarrassed. And so at the end of the year, uh, she moved away. It was awesome. And so I didn't have to see her again. Uh, and then I remember my ninth grade year, my ninth grade year, uh, it was first day of school. I'm walking into school and we have a commons area. It's a big foyer area. And so I got a buddy there. His name, his name was Matt and he wanted to introduce me to his girlfriend that he got uh, over the summer. And so I was like, all right. And so she's got her back turned to me. And so I walk up and she turns around and when she turns around, guess who it is? It's that girl, man, my first grade crush, the one who really, uh, you know, saw me, you know, going at it and made fun of me. And so, it, you know, immediately I was like, uh, and so she looks at me and she smiles real big, but kind of like something. And she says, Robert, she says, I bet you don't remember me, do you? And I was like, oh, no, I remember you. Because <laughs> it was one of the most embarrassing events from my past. And while it's funny and a little nasty, uh, I'm convinced that there are some people in this room who have some things from their past, some things from your past, and, and they're, not, they're not really funny. And when I say past, I don't mean maybe all the way back in first grade, although it could be. When I say past, it doesn't have to be 15 years ago, 10 years ago. When I say past, it, it could be something as soon as a week ago or, or something as soon as a month ago, maybe even a year ago. There's something in your life. We've all got these events or maybe even a season in our life where we look back on that season and we wish that really didn't happen. That, that event, that thing, it, it probably has to do with something that you did or it could involve something that was done to you and you, you look at that thing and you hate that thing, you wish that thing never happened, you wish that thing wasn't a part of your life and so you wish that you could get past it and so how do we get past 
our past. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And really, I got uh, one main scripture that I hope that you'll commit to memory. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And maybe as you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of background to this passage. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, Corinthians. He wrote 1 and 2 Corinthians. Paul actually wrote the majority of the New Testament. In fact, he wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. But when Paul wrote those things, he actually didn't think they were books. When Paul wrote them, he was writing letters. He wrote, he wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica. He wrote a, church, a letter to the church in Philippi. He wrote uh, a letter to the church in Ephesus. He wrote Romans. He wrote letters to Timothy. And again, he wrote First and Second Corinthians. These were letters to the church. And when you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, what you'll notice is that he wrote actually more things to the church in Corinth than any other church or to any other person. And when you're reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you're seeing Paul address things. And as he's addressing these things, you're thinking, man, were these really things that were going on in the local church during this time? Was this really something that Paul had to talk about? Because, man, the, the, the church in Corinth, man, they were jacked up. They, they, really, they really were. They were so messed up that one of the things that Paul has to address in Corinthians is the fact that the people were actually getting drunk during communion. They were getting drunk during the Lord's Supper. We have the Lord's Supper tonight. That, that's not about to happen, all right? We're going to have just a little bit of cracker and just a little bit of grape juice. Again, you're not going to get intoxicated, but the church in Corinth, man, they were getting toe up. T.I. had a song back in the day that said, everybody in the club get tipsy. Man, this was everybody in the church get tipsy. I'm telling you, man, they were messed up. It was a church full of jacked up people. In fact, that's how churches are today. They're full of jacked up people, right? Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, man, you jacked up. Mm, some of y'all been like, oh, I want to say that all day. Pastor gave me permission. Man, again, so Paul is having to address some crazy stuff. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he, he's trying to get the church to see something. He's trying to encourage them with something. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. What does he say there? He says, if anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone. Now, that word in the Greek is really interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, there are a lot of Greek words that really are interesting. But if you look that word anyone up in the Greek, I don't know if you know this or not, but that word actually means anyone. It's wild. It means anyone. Like it means you, it means me, it means anyone. It means the person beside you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, the person down the row from you, the person down the road from you. It says if anyone is in Christ, they have become a new person. So what does it mean to belong to Christ? It actually means that you have given your life to him, that Jesus Christ has saved you, that you have committed your life to him. You have confessed him as Lord and Savior. And so it means that anybody who's in that type of situation, if you belong to Christ, you're a new person. And folks, when I got saved or when you get saved, you need to understand that God's not like, you know, that you are a bad person, that God makes you into a, a good person. That's not what happened. What actually happens is God makes you into a new person person, not a better version of the old you, and a completely new 
person. Paul says that anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And do you notice that exclamation point at the end? You know what that's indicating? That Paul is pumped up about this. That Paul is excited about the fact that he is a new person. And you and I ought to be excited if we're in Christ that we are new people. That you can be a new person today if you don't know Jesus Christ. It ought to make you excited today. See, college football started yesterday. I know there's some folks excited, right? Woo, hell state, right? Right? Man, what happened to the Christians in this room, man? Man, again, again, we're excited. I'm excited about college football, but you better not get more excited about watching some guys fight over a, a football than you are about the fact that Jesus Christ saved you and gave you new life. Man, I'm telling you, I was dead in my sins. I was lost in my trespasses. I was lost in Jesus' family. He found the sheep that went astray. He threw his loving arms around me and brought me back into his prey. That's what happened. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about new life. And the first step in getting past your past is being in Christ. And here's the thing. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. And so my hope today is that there are some people here who would let go of their past. My hope today is that there are some people here who would let go of their past and step into the life that God has for them. And so let me point out three things to you, three things that help me get past my past because I believe they'll help you get past your past as well. If you're taking notes you want to write them down, the first thing that I want you to understand is you need to remember that in Christ I am completely forgiven. In Christ, I am completely forgiven. That word completely, some people need to circle it. They need to underline it. They need to highlight it. They need to put an asterisk there because they don't believe that they have been completely forgiven. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus doesn't mostly forgive you. Jesus doesn't sort of forgive you. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't partially forgive you. Jesus Christ completely forgives you. And that's exciting. The reason why most of us have a hard time believing that in Christ we are completely forgiven is because we have a hard time forgiving the people in our life who have hurt us. Man, think about it. It's easy for you to remember the people who have hurt you. It is. Can you remember the people who have hurt you in your past? And you say, man, I've forgiven them, but a lot of times we haven't. We haven't completely forgiven them. See, it's hard for us to completely forgive people, but I want you to understand that that's not the case with God. It is not hard for God to completely forgive uh, so I remember several years ago, I was working at a church, and I came out of the church service. I mean, it was the 12 o'clock. It was time for church to be over. I walk out of church. After church is over, after we shake hands with everybody, somebody had taken a key to the side of my truck. And they wrote, the, they wrote F. I'm not going to finish it. But it, it started with an F, and it didn't end in favorite, okay? But they, they wrote that on the side of my truck with their key. I'm telling you, I got mad. It was a vehicle I was paying good money for. And so every time I walked out to my truck, I would see that. I would see that, and you know what would happen? I'd get angry. I'd get mad. And I know there are some people here who say, well, that's silly. You should have just prayed for them, and, and, and I did. I prayed the same prayer that David prayed in Psalm 58.6 where he said, God, knock out their teeth, knock their teeth from their mouth. Anybody ever prayed something like that? 
And I said, Lord, if you want to use my hands, you know what I'm saying? There will I am your servant, right? You ever prayed something like that? Man, I saw that word. Every time I would walk to my truck, I would see that word. I mean, I might be having a good day. Things might be going good. Things might be going great. I, I'd be happy, but then I'd, look, I'd see that. I'd see that mark on my truck. I'd see that mark, and it would just make me sick. Well, here's what happens for so many of us. We can be living our life, and things can be going good. Things can be going great, but something will happen. We'll see someone, we'll see him, we'll see her, we'll hear something, and it will take us back to our past. It will take us back to that mark in our life, that mark that we wish wasn't there, and we'll, it'll remind us of what we did, it will remind us of what was done to us, and our life will be filled with guilt, our life will be filled with shame, our life will be filled with pain, but I want you to know that the beautiful thing about being in Jesus Christ is that in Christ you are completely forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this, in him, in who? In Christ we have redemption. What does redemption mean? It means that it has been paid for. It's been taken care of. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, man, in Christ your past has been paid for. It's been paid in full How? Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Paul goes on to say something else that's amazing in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. This verse pumps me up. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. That verse shows me there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. God knows all about my past. He knows all about your past. He knows what I did. He knows what you did. And if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. He knows about the affair. He knows about the lie. He knows about what you stole. He knows about what you're trying to hide from other people. He knows all about it. And there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's what my Bible says. And that excites me. See, forgiveness is not something that you achieve. Forgiveness is something received. It's not something that you can work for or I can work for. Forgiveness is something we receive by the grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, I got some bad things in my life. Yes, you got some bad things in your life. But at the end of the day, they've all been paid for. We are completely forgiven. Now, you might not always feel like you're forgiven. You ever, you ever felt that way? Here's what I've learned, though, is that the facts of God's word are greater than the feelings that I am feeling. And whenever we don't feel like we've been forgiven, all we need to do is remember the cross of Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, thank you for the cross because our sins were completely forgiven and paid for on the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you want to get past your past, you've got to understand that in Christ, I'm completely forgiven. The second thing that I want you to see this morning that will help you is that in Christ, you need to remember that you are chosen and valuable. In Christ, you are chosen and valuable. Now, how many of you got a cell phone here today? You got a cell phone? Some of y'all lying or you're not participating. We all got cell phones. Even kids got cell phones nowadays. Crazy. We all got cell phones. Don't you freak out when you can't find that cell phone? Don't you? Right? 
I mean, like, you can lose your kid, and somebody be like, where's your child? I don't know. They're around here somewhere. But when you lose your phone, it's like, where's, my, where's it at? Go get your phone, girl. Call my phone. I can't. We got apps to help us find our phone. Our poor kids, we don't know where they are. But our phones, man, we got to know. We will freak out. I was on the phone the other day. I'm frantically looking around the house. I mean, it's like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I can't find my phone. She says, on your ear. I said, thank you. She's my helpmate. She's always pointing out the obvious in my life. But come on, we freak out. Why? Because it's valuable. They've got all our information on there. I don't even know my wife's cell phone number. I have to look it up on my phone. I hate going somewhere like, what's your wife's phone number? Man, I don't even know how to work my phone. i got to figure out how to look at my contacts, right? I don't even know her phone number. Again, we'll freak out if we lose our cell phone because it is valuable. i got three kids. I love all of them. Brianna Grace, Sadie Kay, and Lawson Cruz, man. Man, Lawson Cruz always wants to play on my cell phone right now. But there ain't no way I'm letting him play on my cell phone because he's at that gold digger age too right now. You know what I'm saying? I ain't about to get no boogies on my cell phone. It ain't happening. Seriously, we'll fight for the stuff that's valuable to us. Or if we perceive that something is valuable, we'll do everything we can to try to get what is valuable. The problem with a lot of people in this room is that you just don't feel like you're very valuable. You don't. You, you, you just think you're not valuable. There are people in this room who think you're a, you're a mistake. You think you were just an accident. Maybe your parents told you that you were just an accident. And this made you feel like you're not valuable. But folks, that's not true. Because my Bible tells me I was fearfully and wonderfully made. My Bible tells me I was created on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose. My Bible tells me that God made me and I know for a fact that God doesn't make any junk. I'm valuable. You are valuable. We are valuable. I want you to see this. Man, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Check it out. It says, blessed be the God And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For He chose us. If you are a Christian, He chose you. You ever been playing one of those games where they're picking teams and they're choosing teams? And maybe you got chosen last. Anybody ever done that? Maybe you didn't even get chosen at all. You were just last and so everybody's like, you got to be on their team. You know what I mean? That's not what God does for us. God looks at you, and he says, I want you. I choose you. You are valuable. And look at what else he says. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Christ Jesus for himself according to his favor and will. See, if you're in Christ, you're valuable. He chose you. I didn't wake up one day, I didn't wake up one day and just think I'm going to choose God. That man, that's, that is not what happened. The Bible says I was dead. How many decisions did dead people make? None. You have never been at a funeral and that coffin open up and a dead person say, hey man, before y'all let me go, will y'all go buy me a lottery ticket? That's never happened. If that happened, you, you would have had a heart attack and you would have been in the box with them, Right? Dead people don't make decisions. Man, I look back over my spiritual journey, and I realize I was lost. I was dead. 
I was an enemy of God. I wasn't like a hostile enemy towards him, but I was just indifferent. And, man, one of my friends invited me to go to church. They said, man, if you come to church, you can play basketball. We had to go to church. But I said, all right, man, I want to play basketball. So I went to church, and I thought everybody there was weird, man. They were standing up, sitting down, raising their hands. They were praying. They were singing. Man, there were people going to the altar and crying. I thought, look at these fools. What are they doing? Then a year passed, and guess what? I was one of those fools at the altar crying. I looked around and said, man, they got me, man. They got me. I wasn't looking for Jesus. He chose me, and he drew me to himself. Man, think about your spiritual journey. Seriously, think about your life, your circumstances, your relationships, the conversations that you have had, think about the things that have just happened. That's not coincidence. That was a holy God saying, I want you. I want you. Come to me. Come to me. But Robert, what about my past? What about what, about what I did? Look, God knew about your past before he created you, and he created you anyway. Think about, think about the disciples. Jesus, did Jesus know that Peter was going to deny him three times? Absolutely, he even told him it was going to happen. But he called him anyway. And then on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved. I'm telling you, he chose Peter. He chose me. He chose you. And you may be here today and you're not a Christian. You think, well, he didn't choose me. That's why you're here today. He's drawing you to himself. It's not by chance. It's a holy God telling you, you don't have to live the way that you've been living. You don't have to live in your past anymore. You can be God's child. Just trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm telling you, you are valuable. You're valuable. In Christ, you're valuable despite your past. If you're in Christ, you're valuable. See, value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for something, right? If value is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for something, then the creator of this universe deems you priceless because he sent his one and only son to die. Man, that makes you valuable in Christ no matter what your past looks like. Listen to me. Your past doesn't determine your value. It doesn't. Your value is not determined by the mess that you have made. Your value is determined by the price that he paid. And God has already declared you have priceless value. I'm telling you, in Christ, you are chosen and valuable. Let me give you a third thing that I think will help you when you're trying to get past your past. The third thing I want you to write down today is that in Christ, I am unconditionally loved. In Christ, I am unconditionally loved. So I don't know if you've ever read the Gospels and really seen some of the things that Jesus did and how he interacted with people. But Jesus would have been ran off from a lot of churches that exist today. He, he would have. I mean, the religious leaders didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the things that he said. They didn't like who he hung out with. And in Mark chapter 1, there's an interesting story that I want you to see. Check it out. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. The Bible says, then a man with a serious skin disease. What does that mean? It means that this man had leprosy. What was leprosy? Leprosy was gross. Everybody say, ugh. Yeah, man. If you had leprosy, your ear might fall off. Could you imagine talking to somebody? Blue? Ugh. Your nose might fall off. 
Your fingers might fall off. Leprosy was gross. And so the Bible says that this guy runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees and begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41 says, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I'm willing, he told him, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him and he was healed. Now, when I look at that passage, I I don't know why, but I wonder, why in the world did Jesus touch this man? I mean, if you read the scriptures, there were other times where Jesus just spoke something and people who were miles away were healed. Why in the world would Jesus touch this man? Because let's let's just be honest. He wouldn't have been a guy we'd have wanted to touch. Ooh, right? Why would he do that? This, this was gross. So as I'm reading this, I'm wondering why, and I feel like God kind of told me there's two reasons why. The first reason why Jesus touched this leper is to prove that he's not afraid of how messed up you are or how messed up you were. And the second thing I feel like God told me through this is that, Robert, you, you're the leper in the story. You're the leper in the story. I touched him to prove to you that I would touch you. He, he touched the leper to prove that he would touch you as well. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what has been done to you, no matter how messed up your past is, man, Jesus is not afraid to touch you. He's not afraid of the mess you've made of your life. He's not afraid of the mess that is your life, man. He will touch you. What happens when you and I read the Gospels and realize, man, I was the leper. I was the blind person. I was the crippled person. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd still be in that condition. What happens when we realize those things? It should rock our world to its core. It should. Sure, you might not be all that you need to be right now, but thank God you're not all you used to be. Amen? I'm thankful I'm not who I used to be. Man, it blows my mind that in Christ I am unconditionally loved. It does, and that's hard for some people to understand, and the reason why it's hard for us to understand is because we have a hard time unconditionally loving people. Right? I already said it. But it's hard to love that person who's always making your life miserable. It's hard to love that person who's always picked on you. It's hard to unconditionally love that person, man, who's just just there to be a thorn in your side. It is. But you know who it's not hard for me to unconditionally love? My kids, man. Man, it's easy for me to love Brianna Grace, Sadie Kate, and Lawson Cruz. And it's so weird. It's so weird because my kids, my kids have done more damage to me than anybody else on planet Earth. I'm serious. My kids have spit on me. They, they have thrown up on me. I remember when Brianna Grace was little. I'm throwing her up. Hey, she threw up. I got my mouth. Ah! thrown up on me. Sadie Kate, man, I remember when she was little, we'd be taking her out of the bathtub and it'd get cold and you know what she'd do? She'd pee on me. Man, my kids have blown up on me. And just let me tell you, if anyone here did that, we would fight, man. You ain't about to spit on me, throw up on me, or, or I'm going to punch you, man, if you do something like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it just ain't happening. But my little kids... Man, I love them. Why? Because they're mine. Man, I tell my kids every day, I love you. 
multiple times a day, I love you. I tell them that. Even my teenager, drop her off at Academy Innovation, and if she don't tell me she loves me when she gets out of that car, I'm rolling the window down. I'm going to yell, I love you, baby girl. It's happening. She's going to tell me she loves me. It is happening. But I remember several years ago, I'll never forget this. Sadie Kate, I was telling her I loved her. And she looked at me with those big brown eyes. She had her thumb in her mouth. And she said, Daddy, will you always love me? Man, I scooped her up. I said, yeah, baby girl. I said, I'll always love you. There's nothing that you can ever say or do that will make me stop loving you. I will always love you because you're mine. And listen to me. That's the message that Jesus has for us. He loves us. So you might look at your past and you might look at your past and think that there's no way the Father could ever love me. But today, if you're in Christ, Jesus is literally standing at the edge of heaven and saying there is nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Because our, our, his love for us is not based off of our performance. It's not. His love for us is based off of our position as his child. And that's why the Apostle Paul, who was so blown away by the message and by the love of Christ, and I'm wrapping up, he was so blown away by it that he says this in Romans chapter 8. Look at what he says. He says, I'm persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, listen to me. In Christ, we're completely forgiven. In Christ, we are chosen and valuable. And in Christ, we are unconditionally loved. If you're in Christ, your past doesn't define who you are. It might be what you did, but, but it's not who you are. Because if you're in Christ, you've been made brand new. Don't let your past keep you from embracing the life that God wants you to embrace. And if you're here today and you're not in Christ, today can be the day. Today can be the day that you are made brand new. All you've got to do is surrender to him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I wonder today, if maybe you're here today and you walked in, and man, you just thought you were coming to church because somebody invited you. I want you to know that it all started because God was drawing you. God was drawing you to this place because he wants to choose you. He's chosen you. Let him pick you. And so if you're here today and you know that you want to give your life to Christ, you want to surrender to him, you want to confess him as Lord and Savior and be made brand new, it can happen. And if that's you, here's what I'd ask, that right where you are, you just pray this prayer. Father, today, forgive me for my sins. God, I ask that you would save me from myself, that 
you would save me from all of my sins. Again, that you would forgive me. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Make me brand new, Father. Again, not a better version of the old me, but a completely new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be who you want me to be and so that I can live the life that you want me to live. Thank you for saving me. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if you, if you prayed to receive Jesus, if you prayed to surrender to him, if you do me a favor and right where you are, that you just boldly lift your hand and say, you know what, I'm a new person today. I gave my heart to Christ. I gave my life to him. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm a new person today. Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you that you are still in the business of bringing dead people back to life. I'm thankful that you have saved me. And I pray that you would continue to move, especially in these moments right here. Hey, look, when you came in, there was a rock under your chair. I know a lot of y'all have been going, what in the world is this? Why don't you grab that rock? Just grab that rock. You know, the name of this series is Let It Go. And again, we've talked about four major things that we've said we need to let go of. That we want to let go of stuff that tends to hold us back. That we need to let go of distractions. A lot of times we look to other things for fulfillment. We need to let go of them. Last week we said we need to let, get up, let go of bitterness, unforgiveness, hate, really. And today we say we want to let go of our past. Well, in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to actually come to one of the tables. We've got two in the front. We've got two in the back. And there's some markers that are there. And whatever it is in your life that you really need to let go of, it could be something more than what we've mentioned. But I, I just can't help but think that we've got some things. I mean, it could be worry. And, you know, you're holding this rock, and it doesn't seem like a real big thing. It doesn't seem like a heavy thing, right? You think, I could hold on to that for a long time. But man, if you hold this forever, it's going to make brushing your teeth harder. It's going to make everything harder. And yeah, it's just a little rock and it doesn't weigh a whole lot. But some of us are carrying stuff around. It's more like this rock. And man, it's heavy. We feel weighted down and bogged down. We're just constantly looking at this rock. Well, here's what I want you to know today. I want you to know that Jesus is the lifter of our heads. He is. And so what we're going to do is you're going to have an opportunity to write down what it is that you need to let go of. Again, it could be more than the four things that we've talked about. It could be anything. But you need to, to write that down. And what I want to encourage you to do is that we've got these metal pans that are set up in the front and the back. And after you write down whatever it is that you need to let go of, my, my, what I would encourage you to do is just to walk up to it and let it go. Again, maybe it's bitterness. Let it go. Maybe it's distraction. Let it go. Maybe it's stuff. Let it go. Maybe it's your past. Let it go. But every time you hear that sound, 
What I want you to know, man, is that it is just a physical example of a spiritual reality that you can declare today where you say, hey, you know what, Satan? All those things you've been trying to get me to carry around, no more. Today I'm letting go. Today I'm walking in freedom. Today I'm not going to carry those burdens around anymore. Jesus says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You can let it go. Don't walk out of these doors holding on to stuff you were never meant to hold on to. Be free today. Father, I pray right now that as we close this service, that if there's somebody here, if there are people here who have things in their life they know they need to let go of, I know it sounds silly, but God, I pray that they would boldly step to these tables that they would write exactly what it is that they need to let go of, that they would walk over to these pants, that they would let them go, and it wouldn't just be an act they do this Sunday morning. This would be something that they are really doing from their heart and in their life. Father, set people free in these moments. Father, help people let it go. Thank you for what you're about to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.